Several years ago, the Native Americans on a remote reservation went to their newly elected chief and said, is it going to be a tough winter? Is it going to be cold this winter? Their chief, again, who was newly elected, young, uh, not necessarily knowing the ways of, the, uh, of, the, of his forefathers, uh, figured he'd go on the safe side and said, yes, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty cold this winter. You better start collecting some wood. Well, then to be on the extra safe side, he uh, went off on his own and he got his phone out and he called the National Weather Service and he decided to check. Is it going to be a cold winter? And the meteorologist on the other end of the line said, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty cold winter. And so the chief went back to his uh, people and he said, you better keep collecting firewood because uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a pretty cold winter. And a week or so later, he called the National Weather Service again just to get an update as the winter was approaching and, and said, is it going to be a, a cold winter? And they said, yes, it appears that it's really going to be a, a pretty harsh winter this year. So we went back to his people, the chief did, and he said, he said, you better keep collecting firewood. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty harsh winter. Uh, probably one of the, one of the worst ones we've seen in a while. A couple weeks later, as uh, November was in full swing and, and uh, the snow was starting to fly, he, he called the National Weather Service one more time and, and he said, now are you sure that it's, it's going to be a, a cold winter? And they said, yes, we are, we are definitely sure it is going to be a harsh, harsh winter. He said, well, how do you know that? And he said, oh man, the Native Americans up on the reservation are collecting wood like crazy. <laughs> Life can be confusing sometimes. We get mixed messages. We don't know which way to go. We don't know where to turn. And we look in the wrong places sometimes uh, to, uh, to, to make decisions. We, we, we probably would all agree that we want to make good decisions. We want to make wise decisions. We want to do the right thing. Uh, but at times we just look in the wrong places in order to decide what's, what those right things are. So first off, we, we have to realize that, that God has the answer to the questions that we have, and He wants what is best for us and, uh, and, and for the world around us. God desires what's, be- what's best. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has been our, our theme verse for this series, uh, where we're, we're trying to know what's next. We're discovering God's will. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 6 uh, simply says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. So in previous weeks, we've seen that the Bible talks about God's will in, in three, uh, three different ways. There's God's providential will, which is what God is going to do no matter what. Right, and then there's God's moral will, which is uh, the, the 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 good and the bad, the right and the wrong. Uh, he wants us to be righteous, holy, upright, moral people, and so He has a moral will, a, a moral compass that we need to follow. And, and and then we we then have the God's personal will for each one of us individually. And so just like the, the, the picture up here behind me, God's providential will and His moral will are like guardrails along the road of our individual lives. And so God's personal will for us will fall within those boundaries. We've, we've, we've talked about this in, in, in past weeks. Uh, the more familiar you are with God's providential will and, and the more obedient you are to God's moral will, the easier it will be to discover God's personal will for your life. It will fall within those boundaries. 
Last time, I, uh, I also uh, used the illustration of a compass, not just a map or a roadway, but a compass, because many times we can get a glimpse of God's direction or God's calling on our lives, God's vision for our lives. If we have a, a glimpse of the, the big picture vision that God might have for us, then, uh, th- then we know where we're headed and we can eliminate a lot of, the, uh, a lot of the, the, the distractions along the way. As that vision gets clearer, the options get fewer and the decision gets easier. Right, So I have a vision for what's, what's possible, what God might want for my life, and so I can eliminate all these other things along the way. And the closer and, and more clear that vision gets, then uh, the, the, there's less and less options, and it's easier to make decisions. So, so let me just uh, reiterate, you will not hear God if you are living outside of the boundaries. It, 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 you've got to get that fixed first. You have to desire God's will more than your own will. So if we're, oh, God, what does God want me to do? Okay, well, I'll, I'll think about that, but really I want to do this. That's not how it works. We've got to want God's will more than we want our own. And then we'll, we'll discover His direction for our lives. But, but then the, the question has to be, well, how do we, how do we hear God? How, how do we really, uh, how do we understand what He is? I, I confessed to you weeks ago that, that I've never heard an audible voice from heaven. Go here, do this, Pete. Stop that. Yeah, it, 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 that, that hasn't, so, so when we're talking about hearing God, listening to God, uh, how do we do that? Because I, I would say in the same breath that I would say I've never heard an audible voice from God, I would say without a doubt that I have sensed God's direction for my life time and time and time again. So what does that look like? How do we, how do we sense that? And I think it starts with listening. That's, that's the very first thing. We've got to listen. Back a long time ago, uh, probably before any of us, uh, before refrigerators, before uh, ice boxes, well, I guess ice box, they, they used to have an ice house out on the farm. A lot of places they would have an ice house. In the middle of winter, they would, uh, they would cut ice from the, from the, the, the lake or the, or the river and big blocks of ice and they would pull it into this ice house that was all insulated well and, and usually had sawdust on the ground and they would put these ice blocks uh, covered in sawdust and, and many times it would last well into the summer, uh, to keep things cool. Uh, there was uh, the story of a of a man who was working uh, uh, on the farm and and had been in the ice house and had lost uh, a valuable watch. It had been in his pocket and and somehow had fallen out. And of course, all the sawdust and all the the the, the traffic in in and around there, people coming in and out. And he, he, they they spent time looking around and crawling on the floor and trying to find this watch and couldn't find it, couldn't find it. They all uh, were on a, a lunch break, and uh, and, a, and a little boy who knew that the watch was was uh, missing uh, went into the ice house, and about three minutes later came out with the watch. And they said, "Well, how in the world did you do that?" Well, first of all, he said, "I I laid down on the floor, and then I was really really quiet, and I heard the ticking of that watch, and I went right to it and I picked it up." If you're ever going to hear from God, you have to get quiet and listen. We, we live life at such a fast pace with something on all the time, right? Uh, we, we hardly have a moment to when, when we get quiet at all, let alone get quiet with God. It, it's a recipe for everything to be a crisis, right? And, and a lot of bad decisions are made in the midst of crisis. Uh, Psalm 46.10 says that instead we need to be still and know that God is God. Sometimes the best thing to know in a crisis is that God is there and that he is aware of what's going on. 
So be still, get quiet, turn things off, know that God is there because he is speaking, but you'll never hear him if you don't get quiet and listen. You won't hear him if you don't get quiet because God seldom yells. There's a great story in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings about the prophet Elijah. Elijah's a great prophet, did a lot of awesome things, but at one point he was at the depths of despair and he was depressed and he was running away from everything and he took off and he found himself in a... He was just ready to cash it all in. He found himself in this cave in this remote mountain and yet he sensed that God was speaking to him and God said, go out to the mouth of the cave because I'm about to pass by. It's in 1 Kings 19. The Bible says that uh, he said that, and then immediately after after Elijah heard God say, I'm about to pass by, there was this hurricane-force wind, and, and so much that rocks are flying around and breaking and everything. But the Scripture says, specifically, it says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, it says there was an earthquake, and things are moving, and sh- I'm sure it was, was terrifying, and, and yet it says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that was a fire, fire spread across the mountain, and, and Elijah's in this cave, and, and wondering what, and, and the Lord was not in the fire. First Kings 19, verses 12 and 13 go on to say this. After the fire came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out to the mouth. Of the cave, he knew that the Lord was in that gentle whisper. Many times we get a picture of uh, of God communicating in wild and crazy, big, huge, extravagant ways with bolts of lightning and and rumbles of thunder and and this God and blah, right? There are times when he might do that. Usually that means that, that things have fallen apart completely and that God's judgment is, is coming. We can read about some of that in the Bible. That the, but But that's not how God communicates most of the time. God usually doesn't yell. Usually he whispers. A couple of things that we need to do if we're going to hear the voice of God if he's whispering. We've got to get quiet and we've got to get close. If you've ever talked to somebody who's uh, who's whispering, maybe somebody's whispering across the room. Maybe some of you are uh, trying to tell me something, but you're talking in clear in the back of the room, and and uh, you know I'm up here just spouting off, right? You know, and so I can't hear what you're saying. Uh, and, but if I would get quiet, I still might be, not be able to hear you in a room like this. But if I went back close to you and you whispered in my ear, God seldom yells. Instead, He whispers. If we're going to hear the whisper of God across our soul, we have to get quiet. And we have to get close to him. You see, God speaks in the context of, of relationship. And, and if you aren't close to him, if you aren't listening for his voice, if you aren't, as our scripture says, if you aren't acknowledging him in all your ways, then he won't direct your paths. Oh, he's trying to, but we're not listening. So we need to get quiet and we need to get close and we need to ask him to speak. And then we need to shut up and listen. What does that look like to get quiet, to, 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 to get close, to, to, to hear the whisper of God? I think there are several ways to do that. I want to talk about just two this morning. The first one is prayer. These are simple, basic, and yet fundamentally, we just don't do these things a lot of the time. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. It's not limited to, but it includes asking for direction and help from God. And when we do, we're seeking to experience God's peace in our decision, right? Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 32, 17, the fruit of the righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Here, how do we hear the voice of God if it's not this audible voice? Well, I, I believe with all my heart, probably the, the one factor, if I'm sensing God's direction, God's whisper in my soul sounds like peace. That's what it's, it sounds like peace. That there's a, a peace about the situation. As I, as I lift my anxious heart to Him and I say, what in the world's gonna, gonna happen here? Where should I go? What should I do? If I'm quiet and if I'm close, I can experience the peace of God. That, that's what we're seeking. Not, not so much an audible voice or writing on the wall, but, but peace in the decision. That peace comes when we're close enough to God to sense not just what we want, but sense what He's up to. The story goes of uh, during the Civil War of Abraham Lincoln, who was meeting with a group of ministers for prayer. Uh, and at one point, one of the ministers said, Mr. President, let's pray that God is on our side. <laughs> and President Lincoln responded, no, let us pray that we are on God's side. It's a difference, isn't it? God's will is never about us. It's always about aligning ourselves with God and with his plans. So many times um, we get we get busy, even with good things, even with church things, even with with uh, holy things. But we get busy, and God would rather us pray and wait and listen. You've heard the phrase "Don't just stand there, do something." I think a lot of times we we act like that, even in our spiritual lives. We we think we need to be busy, uh, even busy for God. Uh, I agree with Henry Blackaby, who wrote these words. I think God is crying out to us. Don't just do something, stand there. Enter into a love relationship with me. Get to know me. Adjust your life to me. Let me love you and reveal myself to you as I work through you. Don't just do something, stand there. God reveals himself as we spend concerted time and effort seeking after him, spending time with him in prayer. And so, do you have a regular time to pray? Do you have a time when you turn off all the distractions and you set the phone down and you turn off the other screens and you turn off the radio and you just pray? Maybe that looks like five minutes right after the alarm goes off before you even get out of bed. Maybe maybe it's half an hour with your Bible and your devotional materials uh, before you head into the day and before everything kind of gets started. Maybe it's in the car on your commute, or maybe uh, it's like my dad who many days would come home uh, after work, and, and then he'd kind of disappear. Uh, supper wasn't ready yet, and, and he'd kind of disappear to his room for 20 or 30 minutes and found out over time that he was spending his devotional time uh, after work in his room alone. Maybe it's with your spouse as you head off to sleep. Maybe it's uh, kneeling by your bed. Uh, whatever it is, uh, maybe it's all of those things. I, I don't know. Connecting with God in an active prayer life is essential to hearing His will for you. It's so much easier to hear Him when you're close. And we get close through personal times of prayer. So we say, well, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, what in the world's going on? I don't know what... You need to listen and one... One primary way that we listen is through prayer. And included in that prayer time has to be Scripture, the Bible. That's the other major thing. Again, like I said, this is, this is basic, basic stuff, and yet so many times we don't take advantage of it. As you get to know God, you will learn more and more about how to hear His voice, but 
but he's already given us so many messages right in the Bible, right? Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says the Bible is living and active and it gets right to the heart of the matter. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful. Uh, Romans 3.2 calls the Bible the very words of God. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What a tool we have to discover what God wants for us and we don't use it nearly enough. Uh, Pastor and author John Ortberg says it this way. He says, what distinguished Israel from everyone else? It wasn't power, it wasn't wealth, it wasn't size. What did Israel have? A book. This book so defined them that they were called people of the book. They had the book, and now this book, with some significant additions, has become our book. Now we are its stewards, but we have cable, he says. One of the best ways to get to know God, to know who he is, to know how he operates, to know what he wants is to be people of the book. I believe one reason why we don't hear of God uh, appearing in big visions and, and all these kinds of things like maybe we read about in scripture in days gone by, I believe a lot of times it's, uh, it's because he's given us so much already in the Bible and we're not even paying attention to. And it's not just a list of, uh, of rules and regulations. It's not just, just uh, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this. <laughs> the Bible is God's love letter to the world. I've told you before that between my, uh, my junior and senior year of college, I spent a summer in Berlin, Germany. And um, I was on a, a, a ministry trip. At that point, I was engaged to Rebecca. She was spending her time on a ministry trip as well in Fresno, California. Um, so we're young and in love, and if you haven't done the math or figured it out, I'll help you out. Nine hours different, okay? Nine hours in uh, time, time zone difference between Berlin and Fresno. So uh, when I was getting up, she was going to bed. When I was going to bed, she was eating lunch. That's kind of how that worked. I think we called twice, maybe, right? Glorious one. And that was back in the days when a long distance call cost like, you know, $3,000 or whatever. It felt like it anyway, right? So my parents told me after I got back, right? So our, our primary mode of communication was writing. This is, I mean, there's not, we're not emailing, right? This is, we're, we're old, right? I mean, we're just, well, I, you're not old, but I'm, yeah. So there's not, a, we're writing, we're actually like paper and a pencil, right? And you're like, you know, you guys have done that before, right? Some of you, well, you guys have, but you, just kidding. So, so I learned, some of the first words I learned the day after I got to Berlin, uh, I, I walked down to the post office a block and a half down the, and around, and the, some of the first words that I learned to say to a, a, a native German was, airmail to America, please. Luftpost nach America, bitte. I don't know if I said that right now. I haven't had to use it since, but anyway. I can remember the mail came, you know, every day, and I'm looking expectantly to to uh, to, to hope for a, a letter from this woman that I loved. And and since we didn't write every day, I would I would read and and reread those letters, and I would pore over them, and I would I would read between the lines, and I would would uh, look at at uh, at her handwriting and just kind of picture writing the uh, the the letter and the awesome things that she had to say and the the the, the stories that, uh, of the things that she was doing and. 
I'd try to get a loan somewhere, and, that, and there were you know, people on our team, and something's going. I'd try to just carve out time where I could just get a loan with, uh, with, with those letters. And, and, uh, and, and in essence, as I'm spending time reading those letters, and rereading and going over, as I'm spending time with those letters, in essence, spending time with her, right? In reading those letters, I'd get to know her better. God has written a love letter to us. It's full of truth and guidance. It's full of instruction and insight. It's full of divine wisdom for living. But most of all, it's full of God's message of love. So we need to treat our Bible like the love letter that it is. We need to pour over its pages. We need to receive wisdom and direction. We need to read it. We need to reread it. We need to read between the lines. We need to study it. We need to find out what, what, what other people say about it. We need to get alone. And as we get to know and spend time with these words lovingly written for us, we get to know the God behind the words. Why is it important to do that? Because, because we don't naturally, in our own selves, we don't naturally look at things the way God does. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. My ways are not your ways. So in essence, God is saying, you know what? We don't think alike. Uh, the, the way you do things isn't the way I do things. Uh, uh, we don't think like God. We don't, we don't approach situations the same way God does, but, but God's way is better. <laughs> and, and so we need to. And, and so we need to get to know his ways by reading his words. And in the Bible, we have a chance to catch a glimpse of the mind of God and begin to understand his ways and his thoughts. Growing up, uh, uh, after a while, I started to, to figure out my parents a little bit. You know, you know what I mean. I mean, you, you kind of know what they're going to say, uh, how they're going to respond to certain requests, right? And so there were times when my, my friends would want to go do something, whatever, and, oh, just go ask your parents if you can, and I, and no, no, I'm not even, not even going to bring, because I know what they, I knew what they'd say, right? Because I kind of had gotten to know how they, a few times they'd surprise me, but yeah, I kind of got to know. How they, how they approach, I begun to figure them out, I guess. God has invited us primarily through scripture, this love letter that he's written to us. Uh, he has invited us to begin to figure him out, to begin to know his thoughts, to begin to know how he operates. And one major way that we do that is we hear his direction for our lives. The, the problem many times is, is the same problem that we get, get into when we're, we're driving in an unfamiliar, uh, place. Now, maybe, I guess these days with the, with the, uh, devices, we just pull that out and we, we plug it in. But, but, uh, if we don't have one of those, we, we, uh, many times we just get kind of confused. Oh, I think I know where I'm headed and I think I kind of know how this is all laid out. But, but we try to get unlost and we end up getting more lost, right? Reading the Bible is kind of like pulling out the map or pulling up your GPS and, and plugging it in and getting that bird's eye view of how things actually are, not just how we think they are. And we begin to understand God's ways and how he thinks and how he operates. And so we need to listen. And one way that we listen is through prayer, and another way that we listen is through Scripture. And I could take a long time today to go over uh, how we approach Scripture and where to start and the importance of following a reading plan. And I, I could talk to you about how it's important that at times we need to read for inspiration and at times we need to study deeply and spend time uh, uh, going deep on, on certain things or uh, the importance of being in a, in a group of, of people, a study group of, of some sort where we're, we're, uh, we're having other people's input 
uh, we could talk about the importance of using support materials, commentaries, and study Bibles, and study helps, and all those kinds of things. And, and, and uh, I could talk to you about the importance of memorizing Scripture so that we're hiding God's Word in our heart. Uh, all those things, so many things. We have so many tools at our disposal today in order to dig deep into God's Word and to discover the God behind the words. There's really no excuse. I, I mean, just just one tool uh, is uh, one that we uh, we use uh, week in and week out here. I don't know if you've used it. Last week when Pastor Steve was here, I pulled out my YouVersion app and took notes right there on my phone, right? And I've got those now, and I don't have to worry about sticking, finding that uh, that paper sometime down the road. Who was this? And what? I've got it right there. So so, but YouVersion is an amazing tool with an app on your on your or you on the computer or on your phone or your tablet and and uh, reading plan. I don't know how many thousand reading plans they have on there and study helps. Just one thing, with so many tools that we have, there's no one set way for me to tell you to approach this. It depends on where you are in your walk with God and, and, uh, and, and how you uh, learn well and, and, and all those kinds of things. But rather than try to get into all of that detail today, I just want to challenge you this morning to immerse yourself in the book, Scripture, the Bible. Open the map. No matter what your plan is, no matter when you do it, no matter how you do it, I guess what I'm saying is you better do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's essential to living life with God. Pour over this love letter that he has given to us. And as you do, you'll get to know him and you'll hear his voice for your life. That gets us started on what it means to listen to God, to hear His voice. We have to want to listen, and so we have to stop and get quiet and get close. And we do that through prayer and through spending time in God's work. And next week, I'll talk about even more detailed, specific ways that we can, we can sense God's direction for our lives, and we'll kind of wrap up this, this series next week. But for today, uh, let me challenge you to get quiet and to get close so that you can hear the whisper of God.